Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Thank you, David. I appreciate that little plug for empathy from everyone. This is my first time up front. Be nice to me. Um, I'm Nicole Lewis, and uh, as you can tell by my accent, I come from Bermondsey, which is just down south. Um, Yeah, I moved to London three years ago to work with a Christian charity called Agape UK. I'm the associate student director for the UK, which sounds kind of glamorous and fun, and it is, but um, yeah, it's it's a fun job. I've been doing it for 20 years, so clearly I enjoy enjoy this, but I love London. I think it's a, it's a great city. It's been really fun to be here. I really believe that this is going to be a season for me where God's really going to stretch my faith, so I'm like excited about that and terrified at the same time as we always should be, um, and what else would I say about myself? Um, I'm beautifully black and wonderfully white. There you go. That's my intro. Hail to the mixed chicks. That's right. Well, a few months ago, um, I was getting dinner with a friend of mine, and we were just catching up, and I asked her, you know, how's how's everything going? How's life? And um, she began to share with me um, about her last year, and just I realized as she was talking, it'd been a really hard year. Um, she, She shared with me how in her church, she had this great community, but over the last year, a lot of uh, her friends had moved on. There were some changes in the church. And um, it was starting to feel like uh, God had kind of taken everything from her. Um, some of her friends had moved into new seasons of life. They weren't as available. And it was just incredibly lonely. And then she said, um, you know, also in work, I've been put on a couple of projects where I've just been left by myself, essentially. Um, and that was also really hard. So she just as she's talking to me, just kind of communicated, okay, Nicole, it's, it's just, it's been really hard. God has kind of taken everything from me. And then she said this, how does God expect me to be content in the middle of this? That's the question I'm asking right now. How does God expect me to be content when all this is going on? And I don't know about you, but I'd imagine in a room this size, there are a lot of us who've asked that question before. How do I be content in the circumstance that God has put me in? And this morning, as we look at Paul's farewell chapter to the church at Philippi, it gives us a context in which we can answer that question, where Paul kind of shares once again with these dear friends of his that life is what the most, well, I'm going to tell you what it is, that life is whatever we put at the center of our living, and contentment is the fruit of that. And for Paul, he put Christ there, and contentment was the fruit of that. So in the past month, as David said, we've been in the book of Philippians, and we've been looking at this whole letter that Paul wrote to these dear friends of his. We've talked about what it means that we belong in the kingdom of God. We've talked about what it means to simply love Jesus. In chapter 2, we looked at this countercultural hymn that Paul writes where he, he basically encourages the church to live with the humility of Jesus. There's so much in, in this book, and as I've been preparing um, for this Sunday, it's interesting because... As I look at, at this letter, I realized how much Philippians has really impacted my growth um, as a Christian. In fact, the verse that we're going to look at a lot today, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, was the first verse I ever really memorized as a young Christian and tried to put into practice as I was figuring out how do I give God my best um, as a high school athlete. There is so much, so much here. I think this ancient letter has a lot to speak to us about joy and contentment. And if you're here this morning and you would consider yourself a Christian or maybe 
you wouldn't consider yourself a person of faith, maybe you're exploring faith. I think those are themes we all wrestle with. How do we have joy and contentment? And um, this is just kind of a suggestion. Take it for what you will. Um, I don't know if some of you think about, like, what book do I want to study in the Bible for the next few months? Just as a suggestion, even though we've been in Philippians, there's so much here, you guys, that we cannot cover in four, four weeks. I really encourage you maybe to consider just taking some more time to sit um, in Philippians. So let's jump into our series um, this morning, back in chapter fall. Chapter Paul. Yeah, that's good. Okay, chapter four. So sorry. There's the nerves. Anyway, this is Paul's farewell to, to this community. They're his good friends. They're his partners in ministry. He really wants to see them walk well with Jesus for a lifetime. And one of the things I love about Paul, if you read um, all of his letters in the New Testament, whether it's Romans or Colossians or First and Second Corinthians, you just get the sense that Paul is just really for people. He's for them. Um, I won't, yeah, I won't go on this tangent. Anyway, Paul is for them. He really wants to see them be the fully alive people that they were meant to be in God through Christ. That, that's his heart's desire for them. So we're going to spend the most, uh, most of our time this morning looking at verses 10 through 13, but I just kind of want to highlight a few things from the whole chapter. So when David read this morning, we looked at the beginning, Paul starts off by saying, stand firm. He's encouraging them once again. I want to see you walk well with the Lord. Go for it, you guys. And then he does something I find really interesting. He just calls out this argument that's happening in the church between these two women who are friends, and he encourages them to be unified. That's a theme that Paul has has been speaking about through this whole book. How do we have unity? And then from that point on, starting in verse 6, Paul starts what I would consider um, a long series of very Instagrammable verses, um, which hopefully will be coming up here in a minute. So verse 6, he says this. Yes, I found them all on Instagram. Philippians 4, that's all it is. Um, so verse 6, he says this. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Give, give your worries over, over to God. Turn your worries into prayers. That's what the message says. Then in verse 8, he says this, which, you know, I don't know about you guys, is a real struggle for me. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely and excellent and admirable, think about those things. And I have to be honest, um, right now, since the U.S. election in 2016, I've really struggled, and maybe some of you in this room feel the same way after the referendum, to remember the things that are lovely and good and beautiful and wonderful. But that's what Paul encourages them to do. And then he goes at the end, and yet again, another beyond Instagrammable verse, where he reminds them, and rightly so, listen guys, our God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So this is Paul's farewell. But the unique element in this passage is what Paul says right there in verses 10 through 13. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning, this claim that it's possible to be content. In fact, he says, I've learned the secret to be content. I've learned the secret. He's content whatever circumstances God puts him in. He's been well-fed. He's been hungry. He's had plenty. He's been in want. No matter what the circumstance is, Paul says this, I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. And I wonder if I'd been at the church in Philippi that morning when the letter was read, because they would have read this letter to the church. They didn't know this was coming. How would I have taken that? Would I have thought, what a very strange and bold message to preach. I've learned the secret to be content. 
And I don't know about you guys, how that kind of hits your ears, even this morning as we, we sit here, um, that I, I know how to be content in all, in all circumstances. But that, that's what Paul is saying. Whether well-fed or hungry, I have learned the secret. And I think we all face a load of challenges that attack our contentment, right? I bet if I was to go out and pass the microphone around, which I won't do because that's always dangerous when you have a mic and then you give it away to other people. But I bet that there are a lot of things that we could talk about that right now are attacking our contentment. Maybe some of us find ourselves in a season where our finances are tight and you're just thinking, man, I wish there would be a time when I didn't have to worry so much about, about what I'm going to spend. Or maybe you've just hit, been hit really hard um, financially. You're not sure how you're even going to make it in the next few weeks. Maybe like my friend, you're, you're struggling because you feel a loss of relationship and you're wondering, how am I going to be content when I'm experiencing such significant loss? Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you finally actually got that job you wanted and yet there's still kind of this nagging sense in your soul that it's not enough. Maybe your cup is full and yet you're still struggling to be content with what you have. And I'll be honest, I don't have the answers to all of that questions for how do you do that. But this is what I do know, that if Paul is able to say from one of the worst circumstances, which is prison, he's writing this from prison, if he can say, I know how to be content from that place, I'm hopeful, and beyond hopeful, actually, that so can we. For me, um, to be totally straight with you guys, my greatest struggle for contentment is in the area of my singleness. I'm 44 years old, soon to be 45. Uh, not really pumped about being 45, um, trying to read lots of articles from Harvard Business Review about how people are most successful at the age of 45, by the way. So um, this is true. This is true. Look it up. Harvard Business Review, 2018. Um, but this is the one area of my life where I feel like the greatest challenge for me in contentment is just here. This is the, this is the struggle. And I find it particularly hard in the autumn and for a while, I thought, maybe I'm just crazy. But I actually went and did research on this. And according to the US magazine Brides, the autumn months, <laughs> I looked this up because I'm like, I might just be paranoid. But now, at least in the States, October, December, November have now become the months that people most often get married in. So my social media skills are on point, which is good. I can observe things. But the autumn, I find it really hard, and I go into this battle with the Lord, and this is what my struggle is. All of a sudden, I'm in this place where I think, God, if you do not give me this thing I want that you have withheld from me for 45 years, I do not know if I can make it. I can't make it another year. But yet, inside of me, I know I actually can make it another year. But it's, it's a real struggle, and I don't know what kind of strategies you guys use I think for a long time, my strategy in the area of singleness was this. Okay, Lord, take the desire away and just make me content. That's what I want. I want you to remove me from this, and then I'll be happy. And the Lord, in his kindness, has just kind of come back and said, Nicole, that's not, that's not the answer. The answer is not, I'm going to take that away. The answer is that you live in a tension between a desire and longing that I have not fulfilled and contentment. And you have to hold them both at the same time. That's where the contentment lies. And this is what Paul is going to be talking to us about this morning. He learned to be content in whatever circumstance. It wasn't after the circumstances passed. It wasn't, you know, 10 years down the road. It was in the midst of being hungry. And it was in the midst of having plenty. And it was in the midst 
of being well-fed, that he learned the contentment. God didn't take him out of that and then show him the lesson. He left him right there, and then he taught him what contentment was like. And I think for me, that's where it's hard in those moments because all of a sudden I think, no, 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 you got to get me out of here. Oh, please, Jesus, I cannot take this any longer. I can't watch 20-year-olds get engaged on Instagram for one more day. That's not cool at all. Sorry if you're 20 and you're engaged. I love you. I am nothing against you, but you're making it hard for a sister. That's all I'm saying. Making it hard for me. Even if you're 25, you guys too. Anyway, going to lambast you. Anyway, okay, getting back. But um, yeah, now I've truly derailed my train of thought. Um, but yeah, I get to this place and I think, God, you've got to take me out. And, and the Lord, because he's kind and he loves me and he loves you, he knows this. I'm not taking you out, not because I'm this cruel God, but because I need you to find something there that you're not going to find when I move you out. You're going to learn it here. And this is what Paul is trying to communicate to his friends. So Paul, again, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances are that God has put me in. How has he figured out how to do that? How has he figured out to trust God to meet all his needs? Well, he answers this in verses 10 through 13 in two different ways. And the first one we find in verses 11 through 12 with these words, I have learned. He learns. He's had to learn to do this. It didn't come naturally to him. Paul has had, had to learn through experiences, um, through these circumstances, which have become, become a kind of school for him, really. Um, he's had to learn in the school that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. But he's had to learn. Um, one commentator that I really love said that in this chapter, Paul shows us how living as a Christian means seeing his story as an expression of Jesus. So Paul's learned, but his learning is rooted and grounded in what he's put at the center of his life, which is Christ. I can think of a lot of things I learned at school. I don't know about you guys. Math, history, well, studied is probably a better word. Studied Spanish, which I cannot speak. Um, but the one subject that stuck with me was reading, and that might not be your experience, probably with something else, but I would bet that we have this in common and that thing that you learned in school that you remember. It was because we had to put it into practice. I, I love reading now. I'm kind of actually slightly embarrassed when I talk to people and they say, what do you like to do for fun? And I think I've got to come up with something really clever. Like I like to go to the opera or maybe to the ballet or I attend the theater all the time. And I don't do any of those things. Um, I often am sitting in my garden reading a book. Um, my neighbor girls think I'm very strange. They, one, don't understand why I don't have a television. This is just, like, the confounding issue for them. And then they're like, why do you always read? Why are you in your garden reading all the time? And I'm like, I love books. I always have. Um, but this is the kind of learning that, that Paul is talking about here. The Greek word that he uses when he says, I have learned, is this Greek word, methano. Um, it's actually closely related to the same word that's used in the New Testament to describe a disciple or a Christian. Um, someone who was a learner that was becoming that which their teacher is. But methano means proper learning. It's something you learn from experience. It's something with the implication of reflection. It's something we learn by use and practice to be in the habit of or accustomed to it. This is the kind of learning Paul is talking about. Not learning that's kind of this like ethereal experience, but learning <laughs> that isn't static but evolving over time, meaning that you could be in one situation and learn something, and when you come back to it, you learn more things. Um, 
And this is the kind of learning that Paul is saying, I've had to do this, and this is what has taught me to be content, whether I'm well-fed or hungry or when I have plenty or I'm in want. And at the time that this letter was written, there were these Stoic philosophers, and they actually used the very same word to talk about contentment. Um, But when the Stoic philosophers talked about it, the NIV commentary said this, for them, contentment was self-sufficiency. What Paul is talking about here is God dependency. God dependency. Now, I mentioned before I worked for this Christian charity, and a few years ago, uh, we were doing this cross-cultural training for our staff who were moving overseas. And one morning, there was a guy who was giving a devotional, and he shared this story I will never forget. He said uh, he was at this men's retreat at a church um, a while ago, and there was a man there. He'd been homeless, um, and when he was homeless, he had come to faith in Jesus. And shortly after that, he went on this men's retreat. And in the men's retreat, um, they were talking about depending on God. And this guy, this guy who'd been homeless, stood up at a certain point and he said, okay, let me see if I get this right. You're saying that dependence is the goal of the Christian life. They said, yeah. And he was like, okay, so if dependence is the goal of the Christian life, then weakness is actually an advantage. And I just thought, that that's amazing. Like, what clarity? He's been a Christian for like five seconds, and he figured that out so quickly. But I think part of the reason this man figured that out is because he had a very real experience of being in need, which brought him incredible clarity. And he was able to articulate so well the kind of contentment Paul is talking about here, which is God dependency and not self-sufficiency. And I, yeah, I'll never forget. I'm never going to forget that. So Paul, he's been hungry, and he's been in want. He, he knows what it's like to be well-fed, to have plenty. I like the NASB says he knows what it means to abound. He's been abounding. And I'll be honest, I think maybe our struggle today, you and I sitting here in 2019 in The Mermaid, is not so much how do we find contentment um, when we're lacking, although I don't say that because the circumstances aren't difficult, because they are. But I think sometimes when when we're lacking, it's easier to have more clarity about the circumstance that we're in. There's not as much to distract us. And I had a director one time I worked for, and he was telling the story about how he and a group of people had gone into Romania. Uh, This was in 1989, before the revolution. It was one of the most closed countries in the world, so they really shouldn't have been there. Um, But they were there. Um, and he was meeting with a Christian student that night, and I remember him saying it was the most depressing place he'd ever been in his life at that point. There was not a lot of food. There weren't um, a lot of things for people, and he just felt so oppressed, he said. It was just so hard, and, I'm, and he that evening went into the dorms to meet with this student, and he, he turned to him, and he asked, he asked this young man, he said, how do you make it here as a believer? And he said this student shot right back at him, and he said, how do you make it in your country with so much more to depend on other than Christ? And I was like, man, slam that in your heart right there. How do you make it with so much to depend on other than Jesus? Socrates, a few centuries before that, actually observed the same thing. He said, who is wealthiest? He that is content with least. For contentment is nature's wealth. Contentment is natural wealth. And luxury is actually artificial poverty. So Paul has learned 
to be content even when he's had plenty, he says. And to be honest, as I was getting ready for this morning, this was, this was really hard for me to think, how, do I, how am I content when I have plenty or when I have enough? And I don't, I don't know about you, but I actually think it's much more difficult because I think when we have plenty or when we have enough, it's easy to not want to turn to the Lord to see what's in front of us. I feel like this is probably the greatest challenge that many of us might be facing today. Um, and, and for me, I think what it's caused me to do is just say, okay, God, in this season you have me in right now, what do you want me to be doing with it? How can I steward well this season that I'm in? How can I be stewarding the gifts you've given me, the time you've given me, um, the finances that you've given me? How do I do this in a way that really honors you? And um, anyway, it's been, it's been really hard to have to think, how do I, how am I content when I abound? Because I think it's easy for us to think when I have everything I need, then I'm just going to be content. And that's not the reality. Most of you probably already know that. I'm just preaching to the choir at this point. But I think how Paul has learned to do that, how he's learned to be content, even when he has everything he needs, was by living that moment, walking in the spirit, and with an eternal perspective on the temporal things that he was experiencing in his life at the time. And I think the same thing is true for you and I today. Paul wasn't this kind of super Christian. We can think he was, but he wasn't. He was just an ordinary brother who met an extraordinary God, and that made all the difference. Um, and, and for Paul, he began to realize that no matter the, or actually, for Paul, no matter what the circumstance was, he was just fully engaged in the life of Jesus. He wasn't sitting on the sidelines. He was going to school every day with Jesus in whatever that season would ask of him. And uh, I can just imagine that Paul probably in all those situations sat there and thought, how can I know Christ in this? How can, or where is God in this place? What Paul has experienced is really a learning that rests itself in God. So he's learned to see his circumstances from God's perspective and in doing that, Paul has learned to invite Jesus in to his circumstances. I think if we were to ask ourselves in a materialistic age, kind of like the one that we live in, how can we practice contentment? And Paul says it really well. He says, I think I can. I think I can. Like the little engine that could. No, that's not what he says. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And one thing you're going to see if you read back through Philippians is Paul talks about Jesus all the time. It's kind of like he really likes him or something. It's very strange. Um, but he talks about him the whole time. And Paul, for him, everything was about Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. And one commentary I read said this. Paul put it this way. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. For some people to live is finances. For others, it's fame. For some, it's family. For others, to live is to have fun. But life is whatever we put at the center of our living. And Paul put Christ there in contentment was the fruit of that. Paul put Christ there, and contentment was the fruit of that. So it's Jesus, but not in some like cheesy way we always say it as Christians, like, oh, the answer is Jesus. You need Jesus. Like, not in that way that we talk about it, but Jesus. Jesus, honestly, is the center of all things. And I think one of my fears in sharing with you guys this morning as you would hear me would be that you would think, that's nice, Nicole. Thanks for that pretty verse. I can Instagram it later, and um, that's really cheerful. But I don't mean this in, in some kind of way of something you can put on a bumper sticker. I really mean, um, I know it sounds very simple and almost ethereal and not practical, 
But I think that's why we have to bear the word learning in mind. The learning and the contentment are partners. They go hand in hand. The learning and contentment, that's, that's what it is all about. And those things go hand in hand. And that's where um, we figure out how to be content when we are learning how to depend on him. Um, and then not only do we learn, but we bring him into that circumstance with us. Um, a few years ago, um, I won't go into this whole story, but um, I had my heart broken. And um, in the midst of heartbreak and a three-hour car ride of tears, um, I said to the Lord, if Hebrews is true, and you really are the great high priest who understands my weakness, I'm going to need you to tell me right now how you get my broken heart. And um, there wasn't this audible voice in my car or anything, but I remember the Lord saying, Nicole, do you remember I love the world? Do you remember I just loved all people? Well, I did that, and yet there are those who do not love me in return. And I actually get your broken heart. And it was such a profound moment. It's actually become a habit of mine that when I find myself in a place of feeling like, I do not know how to do this, Lord. I need you to walk in here with me, that I ask him to do that. Um, And maybe if you're here this morning and you're just considering God, maybe this whole God thing is new to you, and you want to know what kind of God we believe in, that's the kind of God we believe in. He wasn't a God who stood aloof. He's not one who stood up there and thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. I'm just going to stand back here. He became flesh. He became human. He walked into the midst of our circumstance. And because of that, he's uniquely qualified to help us, to sympathize with us, and to give us hope in the midst of it. Paul's perspective is eternal. That's what I'm trying to say. He could look beyond the circumstance, or maybe a better way to say it was that the circumstance did not determine his contentment. And I think as we try to answer the question of how we can practice contentment today, I think one of it, one way we can do that is to not fall into the mentality that contentment is solely circumstantial. Um, But it's not going to be easy. It's going to require learning. It's going to require our willingness to enter into this with Jesus, for him to enter into it with us. And there may be some things that you're facing right now that you think, this is so in my face. I do not know what to do, and I do not want to let Jesus in. And that's a very real, real place to be. But I know this, Paul, Paul let Jesus into the circumstance. That's what he's modeling to these people or his friends. And that's what he wants to model us to us this morning. And if Paul, imprisoned and beaten and suffering, can find contentment in his situation, I know he can as well. There's no magic formula of living faith. Ta-da! I bet you were waiting for me to say that. Because faith is just rooted and grounded in Christ and learned over time and circumstance and through experience and dependence on God and his spirit who he's given us to help and putting it into practice. It's not, it's not simple. I kind of had this aha moment right after I moved here three years ago, which I feel like I should have realized a long time ago, where I was like, yeah, being a Christian is super easy. It is, until you actually have to be a Christian, and then it's quite difficult. Then that's when the challenge, like, up until that point, it's super simple. Then you had to put it into practice, and then it's actually quite hard. There isn't a formula, but there is a secret, which, praise God, Paul did not keep a secret. And it's simply this, that our life is whatever we put at the center of it. And when we put Christ in that place, contentment will be the fruit of that. I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, and I just want to say this. This morning, if there's anything that I um, want to say something like, anything I've said that's heretical, please come let me know. No, don't. Um, I don't want to know. I'm just kidding. Unless it was really bad, and then please tell me. Um, but if there's anything this morning that maybe has 
it's kind of, this has kind of stirred up some things like I'm really struggling to, to know what to do in this situation. I just want to remind you that at Christ Church, we do have a pastoral care team, and they'd love to meet with you to talk through um, these issues. Pastoral support right there at ChristChurchLondon.org. Um, you can email them or come up and talk to Joe or David or Philippa or Lars, um, and they can get you connected. So let me just pray and thank God and thank you. Yes, Father, thanks so much for this morning, for this time to be with friends um, and to learn from your word. And I pray that you would help us to do the hard work um, of, of really putting Jesus at the center of our lives. Lord, I pray that that would be our heart's desire and our passion, our longing and our yearning. And um, yeah, I just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information and resources, head to Christchurchlondon.com.